thank you for tuning in to the Wilderness Tamer podcast. This is episode number 12, The Languages of Love. My guest this week is Ryan Farrell. A quick shout out to the show's sponsors. It is Dry Pocket Apparel. They are the future of swimwear that come with an integrated dry bag and a magnetic strip that self-seals and allows you to go 100 feet down and keeps your phone dry as a bone. So go check them out on Facebook and Instagram and as well as drypocketapparel.com. Now, for use promo code all caps wilderness to get you 25% off your order. Now, my other sponsors are Nomad Outdoors and City Bonfires. Thank you for all your support. Now, welcome, Ryan. How you doing? Get I'm your mid sip. That's right. <laughs> I'm doing good, man. So, uh, how's turkey season going so far? It's going okay. I mean, I've had some action. I can't necessarily complain about it, you know. I mean, the bird mm. count hadn't been high. Yes. But and the goblin hadn't been the best year I've had, but I mean they're talking. I mean yeah. they're they're cooperating. I think I've had more locked up birds this year than I ever had. I've heard that. I if mean, you want to introduce yourself and tell you a little bit about what you do. Well, um I'm Ron Farrell of course to yeah. explain that, but I mean I teach at Lowndes Middle. I've been teaching there. This is my fourth year coaching, third year teaching. Okay. You graduated a year before me, right? Uh, 2010, so two oh, years. Oh, that's maybe. two years. Okay, mm-hmm. that was 2012. Okay. Yeah, and um, taught math first two years, science this year. Mm, how'd that go? Teaching math. <laughs> it's a acquired experience. Taste. Yeah, acquired taste. Now, I, I mean, guess. I like the math teaching part, yeah. but relating it to the students, that's a different a story. Whole different subject. Yeah, they uh, because I mean, they automatically come in there and they hate it anyway. Yeah, you go so, in there with a little bit of bias anyway, like you say. Yeah, so that that's tough, but um. Now, I just recently started making turkey calls. I mean, I guess it was about four months ago. I was really, I was online on uh, Facebook, actually. Yeah. And a guy was talking, asking about making mouth calls. Apparently, he had just started for himself. And then some random comment came by. A guy said, this website here has a jig on it, and it makes a pretty dang good turkey call. Yeah. I said, that's $79. That's I'm very doable. <laughs> I might go with that. Yeah. I'll try that out. I just wanted to make my own and save some money because yeah. Woodhaven and... Oh, sure. Everything else so expensive. And plus, if you make it and kill something, that just gives you a little more held your head up higher, you know? Exactly. Now, what made you, or I say, what is the process to make a call like that? Because if you, I know there was a, what do you call it, a vice or whatever. Mm-hmm. The mouth call isn't that bad. Um, yeah. In fact, that's really where I started simply because that's all I use for the most part. Yeah. And um, it was the easiest. Yeah, so you know, me hunting that longbow, that's where I got to rely on my mouth call. I can use my slate to get them in, but the rest, once I see them, I got to use the mouth. Right, and I, um, like I said, I just, I had a passion for it because that's what I used. Yeah. And I was like, you know what, I'll get it and I'll try it out. And I've, I've dealt with my fair share of struggles with it. Oh, yeah, I mean, I've had it to the point where I about sucked down my throat before. <laughs> you right. get it back too far and all you do is gag. I think I've been running a mouth call now for... I guess running on about 10 years. I started out with a box call. Yeah. And the only problem I have with the box call is that I can't get low enough. Yeah, that seemed a too bit high pitchy to me. Because, I mean, I say that all I've ever bought was like Primo's H&S Strut and that type. That's why. So, yeah, <laughs> it was mass produced. And to me, I like turkey hunting. It's my favorite game bird mm-hmm. to hunt besides like, I like dove, but duck, man, it just ain't worth it to me. Right. But just because their meat yield ain't there. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, like I said, like you did growing up with a mouth call, for the most part, was that any good? Probably not, but it mm-hmm. did get me some birds along the way. <laughs> well, I mean, I think when you start out with a mouth call, you're going to be no good to begin with. I think what really excites you is when you do, whether you sound good or not, you yeah. get a bird to gobble with. Yeah. And that's what makes you hungry. I mean, 
When I first got one to gobble, I didn't sound with crap. Now, well, I that's mean, the thing. People think you gotta make this perfect sound, but honestly, it make the perfect sound and be the loudest sound out there. But here, like I've been realizing, I'm clucking to the point where I can barely hear it. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Doing really soft presence. I'm not even using a locator call in the morning half the mm -hmm. time. That's just my strategy right now. Right. Because there's so many hoot owls and all that stuff. But you know, I think the biggest thing with that is you got to be willing to adapt in turkey hunt. Yeah. You can't just go out there and give them everything <laughs> you want to yeah. begin with. I mean, it's you might go out there one time and he's responding to this. Next time he may not even entertain. I'll that. tell you this. I ain't heard a single gobble on my property yet, which mm -hmm. I'm out in the flatwoods about 20 minutes out of Stockton. It's tough hunting. Yeah. They're either in the food plot or it's a lot you can't see in the bushes. I know some people that wear them out in the flat flatwoods, yeah, but there. generally speaking, yeah. it's like you're talking about in a food plot. Yeah. Um, I hunted the flatwoods one year, and it was the last year I turkey hunted the flatwoods. Yeah. Yeah. And it was mainly because, I mean, the tracks were there during deer season. That's one I thing. I saw them every time I went, just about. That's one thing a lot of people don't realize is you can see 25 and 30 turkeys because they're in their winter flocks during deer yeah. season, but they've disappeared during the spring. Yeah. It doesn't mean they've left, but they definitely moved. They're on a cycle kind of like hogs. They got this area, which how my property's set up, there's, I ain't going to say who, but there's a family that owns a big mill around here, and their property's like 5,000 acres next to mine. Mm -hmm. Well, they got feeders on the corner. I mean, if I stand on my property line, I can see a Sendero feeder 100 yards away, and mm -hmm. they keep that sucker stocked full because there's nothing but hogs and turkeys and deer going down this little path that comes off my property and goes there. And I just sit on the corner and call. That's what I've been doing, but I'm going to move to food plots for this next weekend is what I plan on doing. That's, I think that's my biggest struggle is that I know a bird's in an area. Mm-hmm. And I'll sit there and I'll wait on that bird. It seems like every season I find one bird to dedicate the entire season to. Yeah. Um, and the bird I shot this year was not even close to the bird really? that I dedicated the season to. How'd that hunt go? It went good. I had three come in all the time. I figured they were two-year-olds. I'd seen them the weekend before. Yeah. Um, I only heard one bird gobbling, and that was the one that I ended up shooting because he was yeah. the only strutter of the bunch. Um, there was... I couldn't tell much about the third bird because he kind of stayed right there on the wood line. Mm -hmm. and He's probably a smarter bird. <laughs> well, I'll be honest. He, he, for all I know, he could have been the dumbest, too. Yeah, that too. I, I, they can get a streak in them now. <laughs> I've, um, this debate with smart and turkeys are dumb has been going on for a long time. Oh, yeah. And I think the dumb, I think they're dumb. But in a sense, you know what I think it is. I, I think they're they're just so dumb they don't know what they want to do. Yeah. So therefore, we don't know what they're going to do because yeah. they change their stuff up so much. And like you said, it's a daily thing. You can go in there, you could just and that sucker hammer down the whole way walking to you, mm -hmm. and then you like you could be the loudest girl in the room saying, "Come get me," mm -hmm. and he don't want nothing to do with you. Or he'll just slide in while you're getting up putting your crap on. Oh crap! There he is right there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Now, with that being said, I've hunted public land. That's that pretty much how I've always hunted. With the exception of Kansas and the Rio, because that's different public land. Yeah. It ain't when when you hunt Georgia and Florida public land, and yeah. I have not went to Florida yet. I've always wanted to, but well, see, I got a place in St. Mark's that my grandparents have had, and there's a WMA St. Mark's WMA five minutes from it. Mm -hmm. Next year, that's my goal to go kill some pigs down there and some deer, so we can set up a hunt and go down there. That'd be great. Take I'd... John boats and shit and go up the river. That'd be that's the truth. Sweet, <laughs> right? <laughs> It'd and be a cool hunt. I just, man, they 
Them birds on that WMA last year, and plus it was right when COVID hit. Oh, yeah. So there was people everywhere. That's one thing for this year. It got people out in the woods. If there was a time that I thought turkeys might have been smart, it was then. Because yeah. I saw, I, and what brought me to this realization that day was I was walking back to the truck, and there was a hen standing right by the dang truck. <laughs> dang. She looked and saw me, and I've never seen a turkey run like that. Until you got out that of dodge. Time. I mean, well, all of them, they look like they pick up their side feathers and yeah. just go, and it's kind of slow. Well, you're talking about public land. I go up to Piedmont deer hunting and turkey hunting, which I hadn't done it this past year because they one, they lowered the restrictions for COVID, and you can only shoot one bird. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to at least be able to shoot two, is what it usually was. And it just, it's really hard because you know, them birds hear every call, every mistake every hunter's made. So they get pretty, they get smart quit at least know, say, eh, that don't sound just right or something right. like that. Or they just shut up. <laughs> yeah. And I'd, I'd say, you know, you talk about sounding just right. I'd say that's when it's most important to have your sounds. Yeah. You know, and I've, I've been bad about this, and that's why I say it. At times, like, it seems like every year, mm -hmm. it's one or two things with cutting. Yeah. I'm either completely on. Yeah. Or I have that morning where I'm just off yeah and it's being disciplined enough to put it away yeah that and, too and i think everybody's got that issue but definitely in, in recent years the times that it has struggled you want you want to get excited with it oh yeah you know yeah, he's got right. one um if he can about five times you know he's pretty committed or something he's at least giving you attention right or in my case this year gobble their heads off i mean to the point where all right i'm trying not to overcall you yeah. but i mean yeah I went with a buddy earlier during spring break last week in mm -hmm. Camilla, and I swear that bird gobbled ten times in between one call to the next call. God, and that's awesome. He came up behind us. He just came from the wrong direction, the uh, one where he wasn't gonna cross. Yeah. I, mean, I hear him walking behind us. He just he ain't coming through that. Yeah, yeah. And with the natural nature of turkeys, the hen's supposed to go to him. Yeah. It wasn't gonna happen. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> now let me ask with them calls, how I've always wondered this, will they cut the late now do you use latex or is it a type of I use latex and prophylactic. Okay. Now how do they pick or how do you know how to cut the reed just right? That's always interested me because you look at it different you're like, okay, it really that little nick and little slide side slice. Well, I'm gonna be honest with you, that was probably one of the Besides the tape of mm -hmm. the call, the tape of the call, that stuff, when it sticks, it sticks. That's so what it looks you, like. <laughs> if you got air bubbles in it, you might as well just th throw it really? to the side. Um, but the latex cutting, once you get the hang of it and get kind of your steady hand, you're fine. Yeah. The biggest issue I have with cutting latex is that you see something hard. I want that just a little bit longer. Well, you go back in there and try to cut it. Well, yeah. now it makes it jacked up. Yeah. So you might get it the same length, but now it just looks off center. It's not in line like it yeah. was. And then you go try to correct that. Yeah. It don't work out. I, I mean, I that. think I've had that work out once out of about a hundred times, it seems like, yeah. trying to correct the mistake. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. It seems like one of the things you got to kind of just learn as you go through it. Right. And I'm sure it, it gets better, yeah. you know, because I mean, obviously you're trying to save the money. Yeah, as dude. far as spending on those materials and not that those materials are the most expensive thing in the world but it's just the fact that this material is still yeah. money yeah and i'd say the biggest cost i have is shipping trying yeah. to get the stuff in you well know? like i say you'll then this you can plug all you want to and if the every day comes you get you need help you ain't got to pay me i'll just come help do whatever you need <laughs> i just like doing that shit, man it's, it's fun. fun i just bought a press um 
and because I was working on getting my business license and all that stuff. Because mm-hmm. um, like I said, I started with that just a little hand. Well, so that's what I'm gonna try and get my business license just so one I can kind of lock the name in and stuff, which mm-hmm. I did when I made the icon and all that. But mm-hmm. I want to get paper and you know get it good and settle it in. And that was my thing is that it's not like turkey call companies are in demand. I mean, they're mm-hmm. all over the place. But if you can find that niche though. And the thing is, too, people are thinking, oh, if I do this, no one's going to buy it. There's so many dang people in this world, there is someone that's going to buy your stuff. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, mean, the market is there for someone looking for a handmade, crafted call, especially if it's good and gets out there good enough. Mm-hmm. Man, you'll be making it up to your neck in turkey calls. Well, I mean, <laughs> I look at the guy, and we got one guy around here that I know of, and I saw online the other day, and I don't even know if it's still going out. There may be a place in Boston, but the only one that's well known around here is the guy from Lakeland. Really? Pecker Record. Um, I've heard of him. I think Jacob yeah. Johnson's told me a little bit about him. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, he makes a good call. I mean, yeah. I like his calls. Um, and he's a good dude overall mm-hmm. for the one or two times I've met him. But um, I didn't get into making turkey calls because of him or anything he made or trying to make it like him. Yeah. Um, I got into it just out of a hobby. Yeah. And it just turned into something else. And I didn't make it to cater to anybody else's wants in a turkey hog. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if somebody says, I want more raspy, then yeah, I'll make him mm-hmm. a raspier call. Yeah. But I made them the way I liked them. Yeah. And that was the way it was going to be. Yeah, that's um, it. And I've had some turkey calls that work out good. The biggest issue I think I had was the way the directions were on the jig when I very first started making them. Yeah. First, I'm talking like the first 25, 30 calls I made. Yeah. It said, it, it didn't make any sense to begin with when I read it, but I kept reading it over and over. I had um, my fiance read it over and over again. Yeah. And we both came up the same thing. Well, it was trying to tell you to put the frame basically backwards this just don't add up yeah. i mean uh, th- this is supposed to stick to the latex yeah. i know this but Might i was well doing chinese <laughs> and the very first one i made it sounded good yeah i mean it wasn't made the correct way yeah. but it sounded good so i, I said that. maybe that is the right way yeah. i started questioning myself well then i started dealing with problems because of course every call after that was mm. terrible really um mm-hmm. did it, let me ask you this how when you say it's terrible did it sound like a wet balloon that you pull across and just sound like that or no just, i mean uh, most of them sounded like a turkey. Okay. It was how to run them. It was just the fact of the versatility of it. Yeah. I'd say more than anything, what can I, could I do with it? Yeah, um, yeah. And there wasn't a whole lot. I mean, you could cut and you could yelp, but yeah. that's about it. I mean, there was no... There was no subtlety to it or anything nope. like that? You couldn't... I mean, I, and I could get the clucks and stuff like that. But it just didn't feel comfortable. It didn't feel yeah. right or natural. So when I started making it the other ways... Got it figured out. Caught yeah. it. That's it. There it is. So <laughs> now I got it figured out. I heard that. But then I've run into an issue where my latex is wrinkling. Hmm. I bought know. calls like that and I thought it was just a normal thing, you know, from H&S, Primos, which I no. usually don't last a season, so mm-hmm. <laughs> just chunk them. But yeah, the latex is wrinkling on top or on bottom. And what would cause that? Just not pull it back? Well, with my press, it's just too much pressure. Oh, but with okay. the jig, it was, the way it was set up, the latex was already sticking to the frame. Mm. And there wasn't nothing you could do about it. If it was stuck yeah. the frame, it stuck the frame. You pull it all you want, back tension, side tension. <laughs> yeah, a ratchet strap. <laughs> exactly. I mean, there wasn't nothing you could do. It wasn't coming off. And if you did, yeah. it slipped and came out. So, I mean, it was very tedious. And that's the biggest thing about it is yeah. it is a very tedious job with the mouth calls, although it's an easy process. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of little folding and crimping and stuff like that. It now, is. How much yes, How many can you turn out in a session with that little jig? With that pre- with the jig? Yeah, within an hour, I'd say. Uh, when that jig is going to be... Now, when I'm making them consistently, probably six minutes uh, a call. But yeah, with good. that press, 
That's a different story. Yeah. I can turn those out very quickly. Oh, yeah. I would say as long as the lining of the reeds mm -hmm. works out well, that's usually the longest process. Once I get them it tacked yeah. and everything else, I'd say two minutes to call. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty quick process. Um, but, like I said, that's assuming there is no factors that yeah. happen and yeah, you that. get mad about it because you watch all these guys that's got their own companies and do it mm -hmm. and they just go up in there and just ta ta ta. Yeah, they got that farmland they've had for 10 years and they can, it's just farm raised turkeys pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some guys just have it left by it. I know. And, you know, I get mad about that. Not that's the first comment I use. These guys, well, they own the daggum thousand acre farm, and yeah. hey, shoot, they got thousand turkeys out there. But at yeah. the same time, I'd hunt them too. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's what I was saying. Pop Invite me out there. Let me come get some of that. I heard you know? that, man. And that's just like out here, man. It's like pristine woods, but like one size thirty five hundred, the other size twenty five hundred dollars. You know, you mentioned. I think that's the biggest difference between Georgia turkey hunting. Florida turkey in the southeastern part of the United States turkey hunting compared to yeah. your Kentuckys and all or those places. Or anywhere in north, there's so much more public land. People down here are stingy as hell with land. Oh, yeah. And yeah. which, ain't granted, and I wouldn't want no one trespassing neither. But still, you know what I mean? The opportunity, like, I'm pl trying to plan a WMA hunt up to Cooper's Creek up there just outside of LJ. Mm -hmm. There was deer and turkeys out in the wazoo when we went or trout fishing last few months ago. Right. It was awesome. I actually went by that because. I actually, uh, yep, so you saw my trout, I actually went up there. I went to Blue Ridge, W. Yeah. We didn't trout fish much in there because we found out real quick, A, it was overfished, and B, there was just yeah. See, well, nothing I, to it. We yeah. ended up at, uh, we were on the same river. It was near Cooper's Creek where I went, but it wasn't Cooper's yeah. Creek. I think the Tacoa, like my brother, he's a big fisherman up there. He don't really mm -hmm. hunt it that much. He's just a big fishing guy. And he said the Tacoa and all in there, that's where like you get your quote-unquote textbook like trout fishing where you can go catch a big what we call like a two-hander you know mm -hmm. like i was gonna fish that uh trout tournament helen last weekend or weekend before mm -hmm. well it got rained out and but now everybody's catching like, this one guy caught like a 9.87 pound rainbow right there in the main strip of helen i, was I like, couldn't catch him over 9.87 inches yeah I, <laughs> i'd be fine with a 10 inch yeah. trout let alone I, a nine pounder I, I was working with Five and six inches up there just saying, hey, at least it's a trout. Yeah, a little native brookie, I'd be fine. You know, so. <coughs> Excuse me. But it took us a while to find them. I just started, I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to ride around and see where everybody else is fishing. Yeah. And we're going to wait till that spot opens. Yeah. Now, that's one thing you definitely, do y'all fly rod fish or regular nah, fish? No, we just regular. Um, that's about what I'll use. I <laughs> wanted to get into some fly rod fishing because it looks interesting. It's it's a pain in the ass, to be honest. <laughs> but anything, it's fun just when you're out there throwing it. And if you right. do catch a fish, it's like, I guess traditional bow hunting in a way. It's if you do get one, it's just a little bit extra feather in your cap. That reward. Now, get on a technical aspect. What kind of gun do you use and stuff like that for turkey hunting? What do you prefer for gauge wise? I use anything long touch yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, I right. mean, I personally I have a Remington 870 right now, um, and it's a 12 gauge, but that beast is too heavy. Yeah. I mean, I got a red dot on it and everything. Um, my, my, dad, my dad's dropped back to a 410 this year. Yeah, a little single I, shot break action. I'm going to a 20 gauge as soon as I possibly yeah, can. I, I mean, will. honestly, but the chokes and the shot that's made these days, you can mm -hmm. shoot them things what as far that, as you want that to. That TSS load? Yeah, I don't use it. I'm not yeah. paying $10 no. a shell. So, uh -huh. um, I use the old Winchester Double X, I think it was, three and a half. I use that for a while. I use um, XR Longbeards. And they, yeah, they were good too. They kill turkey, so yeah. that works for me. Now, uh, what's the biggest bird you've shot? Biggest bird I've shot was 
inch and an eighth spurs and 11 and three quarter inch beard, I believe. Oh yeah, that's so real good. That's probably the biggest. And that's one thing that's kind of been my goal. I want to get one of the big spur. Yeah. Like an inch and a half. Yeah, I, my biggest one is an inch and a quarter, 12 yeah. and a half inch beard. And I shot a bunch of it off. Right. <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. Uh, and, and that's the thing about that bird that I've been hunting this year. He ain't got spurs on him. Mm. I, I mean, I say he doesn't. I ain't seen him yet. Yeah. But I've seen a couple guys kill. Or actually, a guy Brent Ritz that I shot archery with back mm-hmm. in the day. He shot some birds with no spurs. I was that, like, ain't that a I did bunch see in that. the gut? I know Brent. And yeah. He did have some. With I hadn't seen him probably 10, 12 years or more since I stopped shooting archery. I turned totally archery. hunted with him probably four, a couple times, about four or five years ago. I guess yeah. maybe a little longer. Um, but I don't talk to him much. I, mean, I see him out with Harley. That's the main thing I start this podcast. One, I can talk to people, get to meet new people. And if anything, it gets me outdoors. <laughs> you know, right. It's just, just the main thing now. Do you deer hunt a lot? Oh, yeah. You do? Okay. Oh, yeah. But, well, which my thing is, I'm kind of like you. I, I'm WMA on deer. Yeah. Um, I haven't had a place to hunt around here. And Well, see, my dad didn't grow up around here. So he didn't really have the good old boy system that you know, most people have. Same my dad. You, you rub a couple elbows and they you can usually find some family land or mm-hmm. someone, a friend of somebody. But... I'd say I cut my teeth on the Grand Bay out there, turkey and deer hunting. I haven't tried their turkey hunting yet, but I've actually heard they got some birds out there. I haven't been out there in years, but one of the first hunts, I was actually, I had a crazy story real quick. I was mowing my yard yesterday, and I hit a, I was probably 75 yards from the house. Well, I hit a knot of wood. Well, I go inside, and my daughter's like, man, I heard something hit the house real loud. I was like, that's fine, it's probably a stick. Well, I was walking through the house this morning, I hear a glass fall. I sent a stick through my window oh. for the store. My dad and one of the other guys that we go camping a lot with, they kind of replaced it because luckily my dad worked. He is a glass maker at American mm-hmm. Glass, so right. they were able to get it fixed quick. But we were just, I forgot my point. But we were, uh, and that, the my first hunt that we ever really had out there, we had this pterodactyl, and we had called him in, called him in, and he had gotten hung up on this fence line. You know where that main building is and you can hunt the woods back there? Mm-hmm. Well, we cut up behind there went in that field and went to the back corner. Mm-hmm. Well, he busted us at that set and he started walking back. Well, we walked back to the fence line and went back and cut him off again, walking down this little billy goat path. And I was probably 10, 12. And he had sucker paws from me to that wall through some bushes. And I just sat there and looked at his head, just biggest blue, yellow head, first turkey i ever seen. And he just boop, boop, walked right off. But I was like, why didn't you shoot? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Just stuff like that, man. You know, and I enjoy public land for the lessons that I've learned on them. It um, makes you a better hunter. I don't care what they say. I, I really believe it does. Um, I think it gets you patient, which is the number one thing you yeah. need. Because whether you're on private land or public land, you're going to deal with something that's going to make you patient. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, whether it's a big buck and you've had on camera and he mm-hmm. did this every time except when you got in the stand. Or you pull up and there's a truck there right before you get there in your spot. <laughs> exactly. And that sucks. Luckily, I kind of ensure that that doesn't happen. Me too. I get up early. <laughs> uh, most mornings I leave for WMAs. If it was turkey season during COVID, uh, me and a buddy from Ultra. Three o'clock probably in the morning. <laughs> it was actually it was early in that. Depends on where we were going. 1.45 a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Three o'clock was the average. Dang. Um some shoot we left 3 30 in a lot of cases where i'd already left at three or he had already left at three or whatever yeah. um but yeah i mean it takes you less but i can't really complain i mean i really luckily i've had a good group of friends that have really just let me tag along i didn't yeah. necessarily kill about care about going to kill something yeah. it was more the fact they just let me tag along to experience yeah it. learn it too just watching something else i mean and that made 
be why they let me go to this day with them. Yeah. I mean, you know, aside from friendship, I mean, it's more so the fact of they know I ain't there to, I, I don't care less about killing you, name. Yeah, that's me too. I really would rather, I just like hunting with you. I just yeah. like hunting around you. Um, and being able to experience the animal that close is really cool. Exactly. I mean, some of the best hunts I've had, nothing died. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and turkey hunting, I think that's what really clings me to it is that. I like interaction. That's myself. Exactly. I know how duck hunters feel when they're called and all that. Which you're a big duck hunter, ain't you? Uh, so I not, hunt ducks. I wouldn't say I'm a big duck hunter. Not like Ray Burger or anything like that. Oh, no, <laughs> him and Quentin main, main line, I should they, say. They're duck hunters. Yes, um, for sure. But me, no. I, I tag along. When they go, I might go. Something yeah, that's like that. Me. But truth be known, I don't know nothing about it. In fact, when we went to Arkansas this year, Ray Burger tried to get me to learn how to blow a duck call. I, I'd have called in a train before I called in a duck. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. It was terrible. Now, let me ask, what are some, like, I guess, mistakes and stuff you learned the hard way? Deer hunting, turkey hunting? <sighs> Something that someone trying to start out with not really knowing. I'd say turkey hunting, moving too soon. Really? Yeah. Bird shuts up, you think that, okay, well, you know. Yeah. That's one of them situations, when the bird shuts up, that don't mean keep calling. Yeah. Because a lot of times when he shuts up, I found that that bird's probably walking yeah if he ain't gobbling he's probably moving closer or he's 100%. moving away it's one of the two yeah um but people don't realize how good and their directional hearing is yeah a bird can get 70 i, I firmly believe a bird can get 75 80 yards and he knows exactly where you are and they, i don't care what sound barriers i've are. heard on a podcast i think it was a stick boat chronicles they were talking about turkey hunting mm-hmm. and they said how the turkeys when they turn their head like that they're using a different i guess cones or whatever in their head or ear mm-hmm. holes to catch that sound and one, I forgot what it said one side is directional and the other side is like how far that's why they're turning their head like that right. trying to listen and that's why it's so important to get soft especially at that distance mm-hmm. but I don't think you can get soft enough mm-hmm. and I don't care if you I think the only call you can really get that soft with is maybe a slate yeah and that's um, going to be a good slate of that and that's if you put it to where the soundboard doesn't get to vibrate that much yeah. and you put it on the ground yeah. while you're just sitting there mm-hmm. you know I did it that way and I can barely hear it but. now uh, for a slate striker what kind of material do you like to use do you like wood or I like wood I'm definitely yeah. a wood guy um because it's apples and oranges but it's just for talking I just got <laughs> one that was zebra wood the other day and I like it pretty good but mm-hmm. To be quite honest with you, I like whatever. I don't have a specific wood. I like whichever one sounds the best on my slate. As long as it's working you know, that morning, you know. <laughs> if it's working, I use it. Yeah, that's. I, mean, I got about a, I'd say a good nickel size spot on my slate. I call it sweet meat. And mm-hmm. man, if I can just get it, find that spot every morning, I know I'm gonna be pretty good. Right, and I like something that is going not gonna be. There's a happy medium when you're sanding those things. Yeah. Like, you know, if you sand it too much, mm-hmm. you can't even be able to make a yelp without it sounding like a purr, it seems like. Yeah. And then sometimes you're going to call on it and you can't get it to even sound like a yelp, period. Yeah, just, I mean, it's just... <laughs> just I mean, sliding around. And granted, you know, some people I know are great with them things because that's all they use. Yeah. Well, me, since I use it every now and then, I sometimes, most of the time when I use it... I pick it up just to give the bird a different sound and sound like a different hand. Yep, that's good. Um, and it keeps me from having to go into my best and try to find a different mouth call. Yeah. My biggest flaw in mouth call is I find the one I love and that's the one I stick with. Yeah, that's... Until I go the next morning anyway. <coughs> Excuse me. In that case. Yeah, speaking of calls, what's your lineup? Do you have, like, your slate first? Or are you going to start off with your mouth call? Um, 
depends on if I'm on a roosted bird. No, I was uh, speaking of that. We can come back to this point. Do you have? Do you try to roost birds at night, or do you feel like you have better luck going out in the morning than trying to find? Every them? now and then, it depends on the property. That's true. If I, I know nothing about it, yeah. then I think it's best to roost a bird at night. If I feel like I'm pressed to get a bird, or if I'm trying to just find the bird yeah. because we don't know where they're at because they move so much, I might go roost a bird. But yeah. generally speaking, if it's a place I know it's got birds on, I'm going with owl hoot. I'm going to a centralized park. Yeah. And first one the gobble is going after. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. <laughs> they're going to um, die first. <laughs> and that's always a tough thing to do. Honestly, I yeah. think the best tactic is to roost the night before. But yeah, I would say that way you know, at least to know the location to start. You know what bird you want to go after immediately. Oh, yeah. You know, the problem I find with the morning times is that you go in there, you hear this bird. Well, you're walking to him. Mm. He stops gobbling. The one that you were just by starts gobbling. Yeah. You go back to him. He starts. The bird across there starts gobbling. Then you're like, I don't even know what to yeah. do. Right <laughs> a little now. tug of war. You don't know what and, to do. You know, and on top of all that, it's still getting daylight. So mm -hmm. you're getting in that situation where you may be seen, you may not be. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. Just go crap, 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 crap. <laughs> a lot of times, I feel like it's just best just dedicate it to one bird, yeah. whether he gobbles or Stick not. Stick with your first decision, and that's usually your gut and your gut decision. For as a hunter, I've realized when I feel that, go with it, and it's usually connected for me or worked out in the end for deer, turkeys, whatever. It has, and you know, but even then, when I'm going with it, I just, especially when I go with people, I don't go to teach them anything, regardless. Um. But anyways, like I, I don't go necessarily to teach people. I go just see how they hunt. Yeah. I mean, I, and plus on top of all that, I might go with somebody that knows a lot more about it than I do. Yeah. They might teach me a lot. Yeah, I've um, been with guys. They're they do that uh, wing flapping thing, get really into it. Like <laughs> I'm like, that's a little too much movement for me, but. I like it off the roost. Yeah. Um, or if I'm doing a fighting purr. Yeah. Now, I don't necessarily have a wing. I actually just kept one off the bird this year just so I can make one. Yeah, no, it is cool. They look good. It, They do, and they sound good. But I've used a hat, and it works. Yeah. You know, just mm -hmm. bang it up against the side of my hip. Yeah, um, and that's one thing, little hacks you learn, too. You ain't got to buy the best, newest gear or the stuff that's out there that they're promoting. A lot of the stuff you can either make like you're doing mm -hmm. or just make do with. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and on top of all that, I mean, how many situations do you really need it for? Yeah, that's what I've only, I can count on one hand how many times I've seen people do that. In my specific property that I hunt, it's 50 acres. 99.9% .9 of the time, they don't even roost on my yeah. property anyway. They got to go a thousand yards across the clear cut before they even get to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's exaggerated. It's at least 500. No. Sometimes it's a thousand. No, a clear cut, it's a good stretch. <laughs> you know, but either way, I mean, what, what does it even matter? Yeah. I'm not on a roosted bird. I got my decoys up, but he ain't seeing it. I got a tree line blocking that. Yeah. <laughs> he might. I yeah. mean, they do surprise me with that sometimes. But. Now, speaking of decoys, well, what setup do you run on that? Because me, me and myself, I don't use a strut, Tom. I found out it scared birds off, and even a boss hen will scare a bird off. I try to use a real subtle head down almost feeding decoy for me. I personally... The older I get, and you know, I have nothing against decoys because I still use them on occasion. Yeah. But the older I get, the more I don't use a decoy at all. Well, for shotgun, I can see that. For a bow, I'm wanting something to keep their eye over there while I'm fixing to send an arrow through them back here. And that's where I run into the decoy issue. Yeah. You know, especially when I'm filming. Um, I want them to not have any attention towards me whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But I've seen more birds, whether it's a strut and Jake or not. Yeah go away 
Yeah. Or they lock up at 65, 70 yards, mm -hmm. gobble their head off, and then eventually walk off. Because they probably expect, since they see you, you should see them and come to them. Mm -hmm. And that way they're like, well, if you ain't coming, I'm just going to move along then. But First, in the last or... three years, mm -hmm. in the last three years, I've had more birds come up to the wood line. Yeah. No more than 15 yards from me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See the decoy from the wood line, but they, I mean, they don't see me. Yeah. Putt, walk off, gobble. And what that has to do with it, and Michael Waddell said, said it on the seminar I was watching earlier this year, is the best explanation I've had for it. Mm -hmm. And it related to that experience the most. Um, but it depends on what he called the pecking order. Yeah. You know, if you have six or seven Jakes running together, that's your bully group. Yeah. They've beaten one time one yeah. time down, no, no, it's easy for them. Well, you know? speaking of that, this Thanksgiving, I'm here to take you off point, but I was deer hunting. I had, I got a post on my phone. Actually, there was about seven or eight gobblers, and every single one of them had a freaking beard on the front of them. Mm -hmm. now, I guess that's like you were saying. They were saw. I've never seen a big group of gobblers in that that many together. I right. didn't know they would flop like Is that. Is it during deer season? Yes. Yep. So anyway, I was like, oh boy. <laughs> during deer season, they'll all stay together in flocks, yeah. and for some odd reason, it seems like you'll see hens and jakes together, and yeah. then gobblers are all together. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know what that is. Well, it's kind of like deer in a way, too, because bucks, they'll get in herds during the spring and all that, I guess, too. And the minute that mating season comes around, you start separating. Even at the beginning of the season, mm -hmm. I see birds kind of in the same area. Yeah. But the longer it gets through the season, the more it just, they're yeah. all sporadic. Yeah, that's one thing for me. I think towards the end of the season, once all the hens get bred in my area, I'm kind of hoping they'll get a little more desperate and start vocalizing, which my main thing is, I got a lot of coyote and bobcat tracks. We need to go plant a hunt out there one night. It's 1,500 yeah. acres out there, and I mean, every time I go, there's cat and dog tracks on top of the turkey tracks I'm walking Gosh. at. And them things taking over. Yeah, so and I think as soon as they hit the ground, they shut up because they'll know something will be on them quicker. And I'll be honest, if you want to know the best way to get rid of them, mm -hmm. Get somebody in trap them. Yeah, that's what Raybird told me. You know, but I, I like mean, shooting the SOBs. And Raybird's <laughs> got in trapping. He's done a fantastic job yeah. overall trapping. I mean, he was jumped into a full full money. You know, and that's one thing he does when he does jump into something. He's dedicated to it, yeah. and he's done good with it. But I like the sport yeah. of shooting them. Yeah. And the, you know, having the red lights and the Fox Pros. Or, yeah. See, I gotta uh, get Or the night vision scope depends on what money side you're on. I got, I'm on the red light side. Yeah. I ain't got the stuff for night. I got the night. I bought the uh, Xsight 4K Pro way. I'd say I had it a good year now. My dad he bought night vision. Three weeks later he bought the Thor thermal. He was like, that's cool, but I want thermal. I'm not going to thermal. But, I mean, in a sense, I mean, night vision, it's technically the same thing as a red light, mm -hmm. and you get the job done the same way. Right. But it's just cool being able to own the night light app. It is. <laughs> For me, I like doing that. I, um, I enjoy the predator hunting. I do. I mean, yeah. it is fun. It's something else to get you out of the house. that call's going, you don't know if you have to John Wick something coming out the bushes coming in danger right. close. Right. Yeah. I think the coolest thing for me, predator hunting, is that I end up, you know, obviously since I ran mouth calls for turkeys, I went ahead and bought a coyote howler. Yeah. It was a mouth call. And when I called one in with that the first time, that mm -hmm. probably excited me the most about coyote hunting of oh, anything yeah. out there. Now, a fox hunt, to me, is the funnest hunt you can get because they're just the stupidest animal. Yeah, they'll run out, stare at you, look at you forever. Yeah, from 15 yards away. Little it's silver like, fox, too. You know? <laughs> I mean, they're ones. the easiest to kill, but... Yeah. Um, that's all we killed over there. When I brought Jacob and Joseph, we mm -hmm. had a red, we shot two red fox within five minutes of each other, and there was this other one, a little silver fox coming in. I, he was like, I'm gonna wait till it gets a little bit closer. 
Well, I go to shoot, my gun goes click, and I was like, okay, he was about 30 yards out. I said, y'all can get him now, and he had to shoot him right there in front of us. It's crazy, man. Yeah. I, just, I, um, I enjoy it, but if you want to truly eradicate them, mm -hmm. eradicate the population, trap. Yeah, because this out there working for you 24-7. Well, I mean, they're, they're going to come to it. I mean, I'd say, like I said, and Ray Burke could talk a lot more about that. I can't yeah. say a whole lot about the traffic. I don't know myself. I either. don't know anything about it other than the fact that I don't see any results. You can't convince me that <laughs> yeah. sitting in an open field or wherever to yeah. call them in is going to kill more than trapping them. Yeah. The only experience I've had is playing with the beaver traps my dad brought back from Alaska. I would just set them and break sticks in them in the yard, right. and then I'd just hang them back up on the wall. Mm -hmm. I knew I wouldn't catch nothing or no squirrel or nothing with it, even though I'd try to put some peanut butter, see if I could just clamp one right. sometimes, just messing around. And but, Never did anything with them. I just yeah. Now I'll say for kind of going back, I like to do this with people just to figure out their story. Who got you started into hunting, and what age did you kind of get out in the woods? My dad got me started into hunting. Yeah. I mean, he deer hunted. I'd say for the first half of my life. Really. He deer hunted more than anybody I knew. In fact, it wasn't until his hunting accident that he started selling out. He fell at a deer stand. Oh shit! Tell yeah. me about that. What happened there? Right, he was bow hunting and. Um, he hung onto a limb to get a, on yeah. the other side to the ladder. Yeah. And that limb broke. And when he went in, he had a limb come in this side and come out his back. Oh, God. Yeah, he's lucky to be alive, honestly. And he had a buddy with him that yeah. I don't know if he heard him scream, heard the crap. I don't know how that happened. I really had Divine intervention. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was all God. Really. Yeah. I mean, because I don't care if you got somebody there that can transport you or not. When you have something like that, yeah, the fact bro. that it didn't kill you instantly is what I, you're looking for. I had a situation with my dad. He rode off an empty four-wheeler, broke his neck. The four-wheeler rolled back on him, and he was underwater with two boots sticking out. Me and my mom had to jump in the pool and pull him out. It's just crazy stuff like that. But get, where were we getting at before we got into that? Who got me into hunting? Yeah, who got you into hunting and stuff like but that. But it was, it was my dad. And, yeah. I mean, he'd take me out there, and I didn't know no better. But he'd take me out there hunting with him when I was, shoot, six, seven, yeah. eight. I'd be snoring right beside him while he was shooting deer. Yeah. He'd wake me up with shots. Yeah. <laughs> Jump out the deer stand. Right. That was some of my earliest memories. My dad, he was a big fisherman when I was younger. I didn't start hunting until I was about 11, because that was when my cousin started taking me. But like, we'd go on dove shoots, and my, I'd be my dad's bird dog when I was younger, stuff mm -hmm. like that, you know, learned it that way. Right. Now, turkey hunting, on the other hand, um, my dad didn't turkey hunt. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, his version of turkey hunting I probably don't need to say on a podcast. Yeah, because, statute uh, of limitations. <laughs> yeah, because it may or may not have been legal. Yeah. I'll never say. But There's um, always different methods. Yeah. It, exactly. But that. he was doing what any stupid teenager would have done. Yeah. Given the opportunity. <laughs> yeah. You have to be careful about yeah. that. But um, no, I, he had a guy with him that was very, very good, running mouth call, very good, just turkey calling in general mm -hmm. um we went and i heard a gobble for the first time that automatically got oh, me yeah. hooked um the problem was that his buddy once every two years i might get to go yeah well when i got 17 18 no i was 18 years old i just graduated high school and i was i came back from college after my first semester mm -hmm. i went out and bought a box call i said i'm you know i'm gonna do it myself i'm tired of waiting on people to take me i yeah. just i want to and at that time, I had a place that had some turkeys on it. I went out there, and I had a bird gobble. Mm -hmm. And um, that time, I didn't know nothing about it, you know. Yeah. So, I, dang, he's right. He's like right there. So, I was going to walk back across the field since I didn't think that a hay bale would yeah. work very well. Yeah. Going back, I wish I would have sat there. That bird yeah. was pretty big. <laughs> but 
that joker flew down into the field or came to the field and then flew up into a tree. I turned around and was flying up into the trees. Damn. So I heard a few more gobble in the back, so I went back there. Of course, I stopped hearing them, and I called four jakes in, and I had steel shot. This is how oh, yeah. experienced I was. <laughs> yeah. From 10 yards, I shot this jake with steel shot. Oh, man. You'd think that'd be enough to fold him for 10 yards. Yeah. And he did fold until I went over there to go pick him up, and the joker started running. Oh, God. <laughs> so, And at this point, you know, I shot him yeah. on the property line, yeah. and he was on the property at that point. Now he's off the property, so I'm chasing him on someone else's property. Yeah, that's a He gets 30 spot. yards, I said, and he follows us. Okay. If it's with an eyesight, I think it's okay. Well, he's good. Yeah. So I run over there to go get him. He gets up and starts to take off again. I God. So I throw up and shot. He falls. Yeah. That joker, get, I get up there to him again. That joker gets up and starts running again. He has I said, fuck that. So I ran after him. Yeah. But this time, you know, he's injured anyway. Uh-huh. I grabbed his neck and then hauled him back across the property line. Yeah. Wrung his neck like he would a dog. Yeah. To, that is one thing, man. If you make sure that turkey's, you know, they'd probably light your tail up. You know a yard chicken will get you. That's oh, yeah. Something. I'm glad it was a Jake. Yeah. I mean, if a real Tom got on, it might have hurt a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it would have hurt because that bird didn't have, I don't think he had any spur, if I remember correctly. That's he's crazy. He's a young bird, and there was four of them together. And I just, from then on, I I got hooked. Yeah. Right then, I mean, calling the bird in, watching these birds, yeah. and they ran to me. I mean, yeah. it was an experience. It was just literally I was blessed. I mean, yeah. about like every hunt, I said, you know, I'll give the glory to the Lord on that. Oh, hell yeah. Um, and it was just an experience like no other. So I started then. Mm-hmm. So now I had a new challenge. Yeah. I'm tired of this box call. Mm-hmm. I can't do enough on it. So mm-hmm. I'll get a slate. So I got a slate, started working on that. What was your first slate? <sighs> to be honest, I don't remember. Okay. I think it was a Ronnie Hewitt okay. slate. It was a guy to Adele making calls, and they sold him at T3. Because I bought his box call, so I said, you know what, I'll buy a slate call. And it sounded good. Was it a glass one or was it just a glass? I ain't ever messed with a glass one, but they do sound good. I love them. In fact, I won't use a slate because Mm -hmm. I like glass so much. If it's not glass, I have wanted to piddle around with some ceramic. Yeah. And aluminum sounds really good. Yeah, I have seen aluminum, but my, well, actually, I do have, actually, my dad has a slate right now. It has an aluminum base with, I guess, a ceramic center, and that one does sound pretty good. But the one I use now is just a ceramic with a plastic housing, and it does fine for right now. When it comes down to that stuff, like we talked about earlier, it's what gets the bird to gobble. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I've, I've went, even when I started getting decent with a mouth call, mm-hmm. and to me, I, I don't think you can ever get too good with it, um, unless you're just a professional contest caller. Yeah. Um, but how about people that just sounded like crap and there was no disrespect to them yeah. at the time um usually this was guys that i'd never went with before and mm-hmm. i didn't know what, what it was and i'd go with them and they start calling and i'd want to be like shut up <laughs> yeah you know yeah. and nothing would happen uh-huh. and i'd call not hear nothing hear a gobble i'd keep calling and all of a sudden it shut up mm-hmm. well they pick up their call and hit the call and bird gobbles what in the world is that bird thinking yeah you know that's, you don't. There ain't no telling half the time. The older I got, I realized that she locator call. Mm-hmm. You ain't got to sound good. And you, honestly, to be honest with you, you really got to sound good to call a turkey in. You don't. It's just, do you sound enough like a turkey? Yeah. That's, uh, we were, I forgot where we were. We had the family over here for some point, Easter. And we were talking to one of our cousins who had uh, someone hit him up to come over and do some turkey calling for him. Well, he ended up didn't make it. Well, it was a mom and her boy. You, odd couple you know usually moms don't take their sons hunting right and they just like they had a pecan field sure enough first time they ever went out shot a bird and it was like 10 and a half inch beard and that's the thing man you ain't one thing about turkey hunting 
I don't care if you hunt for 35, 40 years, you're going to learn something each time you go. Oh, yeah. There's going to be a bird stunk you. Oh, yeah. And he's going to teach you a lesson. You're going to do something just simply off of excitement Yeah. rather than thinking first. Yeah, that, um, that adrenaline starts pumping. It's hard. You, that's the main thing with me is really trying to learn to slow down, even on a doe, man. I get my heart, I can feel my throat pumping right there. I'm like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> And 95% of the time, I mean, less is more, but then there's that 5% of the time mm-hmm. after that where you did feel like you didn't do enough. Yeah, that And that's too. why he walked away. Yeah. And I think that's what was probably the biggest challenge I had when I went to Kansas was I found out after I left Kansas mm-hmm. that... Y'all Rio, went out there to turkey hunt? Yeah. Oh, that man. Rio's and Miriam's yeah. get bored if you ain't calling to them. Really? Where Eastern's, less is more, mm-hmm. with those... Hammer down on it. Really? Yep. I, mean, I definitely want to do a Grand Slam. I shot Archer with the guy. His name was Keenan Adams. He had 14 Grand Slams with the boat, which his dad was a very rich farmer. So all he did was just shoot and go hunt and stuff. I mean, he already shot like four elk at this point. And he was like 14 or 15 at this age. I'd be glad to do that because I know the Grand Slams in a year. I was yeah. talking to one of my buddies the other day. I told him, I said, I count my Grand Slam just when I kill each subspecies. Yeah, right. I said, because I don't know if I'll ever have the money to do it all in one year. It's going to take a lifetime to do that. I'd have to really sell some turkey calls to do, do yeah. that. You well, know? See, that's what I'm playing on this podcast. I'm hoping through my 30s, build it up, and by 40s, I could go out there in late 30s, early 40s, be able to go out there and do that stuff. And that would be great. I mean, right now I got it as a side job, and honestly, I just enjoy doing it. Yeah. Um, and it's time of life, too, dude. You're trying to build, like, like build families and fiancé getting married. Yeah. Y'all, it's life fixing to speed up really quick once you get exactly. married, dude. I mean, it was, uh, it was just like yesterday. It was just me and Kayla were dating now. We're two kids in, and like, God, what happened, man? <laughs> well, I told mine. I've try, been trying to buy time on the kids that, for after we get married if she wants try to talk to. about that. Yeah. You know, I got 90 at the middle school if you want to go visit them and see yeah. if you really want to make <laughs> yeah, that decision. Right. Well, we got a screaming baby. That's We had one. We had to take the hospital or the emergency room last night. She had a dang fever. So it's just, crazy. there's a lot of stuff. I wouldn't give nothing for them, but man. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You know, I, I know in my heart I do eventually want a kid. You just do. right Neither now, I can't help but think about what they'd be around well, that's just in not. some cases. Well, getting to that, too, you being a teacher, especially being around the same generation as me, what are some differences between, like I say, us going through high school to now and, you'd say, and kids besides the COVID thing? Well. Is there a big hunting group? still or is it like a luke bryan hunting group i should say i wouldn't say there's a big hunting group there's definitely some hunters yeah um as there will be but. right now kids these days they have a hard time of what to identify as and at the middle school level yeah they and, don't know what they want to be or what yeah. they want to do in well, fact i think you're good half the time if you can just get them through the doors yeah especially through the covid time i mean yeah. some of them they come to the doors every time it opens but get sent out just because of a possible exposure yeah you know anything like that and i understand why they do that it's just that at this point with COVID, i'm to the point where let's get back to normal yeah it's you can't been live long in enough. fear for all your life no. let's get back to normal i believe in it i think it's real but it's the well there's a hundred there's a million other things that could kill you i mean you could walk out the door and have a heart attack exactly. <laughs> you know what i mean and that's my point yeah you know i mean if you really in my situation i was confident enough in my faith i'm not worried about COVID. Yeah, if I true. die and that's how I'm going to die, so I'm going to die. It was already yeah. predestined and already known yeah. anyway. So that's fine. But I'm not about to walk around scared of it. Yeah. Don't you know? walk in fear. Do I want to get it? No. 
Yeah. My dad didn't got it. We, luckily, me and my wife hadn't caught it. Right. So, like I say, thank good Lord for that. And <laughs> Hopefully, it, it keeps that way. And like I said, it's it's scary. I mean, yeah. I know it's killing people's family. I, I literally, the only reason I agree to wear my mask at work is, A, because that's my job. It's not my paycheck. Yeah, that too. You know, that's kind of a big deal. But, B, I am considerate. You don't want to get the looks and stuff like that. That's my main well, reason for wearing them in red legs. Bump the looks. I care what anybody else thinks. Oh, yeah. I care about the people that might be around some of my students. I don't want to see my students experience death in their family oh, yeah, due true. to me not showing any symptoms mm-hmm. and passing it on to them. And then yeah. they go home and give it to the grandparents or whatever else. Yeah, so. it's definitely a razor. you got to balance that razor's edge for sure. Right. So... It's a tough thing, but as far as kids these days, I mean, I have a great group of kids. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, it's just there's some of them that definitely need guidance. And yeah. it's I'm not going to comment on parenting because yeah. I'm no parent yeah. and it's not the place. I'll go ahead and tell you this. There's no right answer. There's right. no playbook. All the books that are made for parenting, burn them in a pile. <laughs> I, I, I'll say this. There's one thing in parenting I feel like that is definitely left a little bit. A belt. Yeah. Please use it. Yeah. If you don't, give me some consent so I'll I can. I'll spank my kids in public and you'll see but, some people look and I'm like, what are you going to do? <laughs> you, you know, know we I mean? talked about Rayburg. I believe if I had his kid, I believe he'd tell me to beat him right <laughs> yeah. there in the classroom in front of everybody. Grab my ankles and hit him against the wall. <laughs> you know, and that's not that I believe that beating a kid with a belt is always the answer. It's I'm discipline. sure there's going to be times that... That's definitely not the answer and the worst thing you yeah. can do depending on the situation. Yeah, well, it depends what the... Like, I mean, if the boys out there are still, or persons out there are stealing or doing whatever, you know, and might be called for. At the end of the day, just be the parent. That too, just be That's, there for them and listen to them. I, I, if you are for beating or against beating, it don't matter, just be there for them. Yes, Because that's I think that's thing. the biggest thing I've seen in my field is I've seen an absence. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've waited with some kid three hours after we got back from basketball games. Yeah. What, and I'll say this, I think there's, and it probably crossed the list, but I think there's an absence of men being men you know what i mean yeah because i the world nowadays all they try to do is take the masculinity and the take the lead out of the man you know what i mean yeah and that's why everything's going batshit crazy but basketball baseball softball i mean i've definitely seen an absence in fathers and now that's yeah. not to say i mean i got plenty of i would say the majority of them have their dads there supporting them and that's yeah. fantastic but it's just that little group yeah that you see mm-hmm but it's a higher number than when we went up. Yeah, you know? I wouldn't doubt. And that's what wor- worries me, because especially when it comes down to boys, mm-hmm. they gotta have their daddy. Yeah, you got to. There's because something to look up to. Otherwise, they're gonna go out and find it. And girls gotta have their mama. That too. You know, it's one of them things that, that we were talking about at day at school about. You know, if a boy don't have his daddy, he's gonna act up a little bit. And if mm-hmm. a girl don't have her mama, somebody that's gonna truly understand the problems that they're gonna face. Yeah. I don't care what you say. A grown man can't relate to a little girl or anything like that. I mean, I try to with mine, and I don't know what the heck's going on sometimes. You're just like, okay. <laughs> I think as a man, we've all learned at times yeah. you just ain't going to understand what a girl's going through. Pick your battles. That's the and main I'll thing. just let too. it be what it's going to be on. Any marriage advice, pick your battles, too. That means, that means a lot. <laughs> Make or break your week. <laughs> I'm bad about that. That's the Me, too. Pro- that's the problem sometimes. Starting but, out, I still am, but I'm trying. We're, we've been going on six years now, and I'm trying to come around to watching the tongue a little bit. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. I mean, I've got even... I'm not near as bad as I used to be, mm-hmm. but you know, in general, I have a fantastic fiance, and I'd say that you know the you're gonna get in arguments regardless. Yes. It don't matter if you 
married no for 20 years and dating for two months. You're going to get in arguments regardless. Yeah. It's what you do after that argument. Stick are you, together are you willing it. to suck up your pride and apologize? Yeah. I am. Yeah, because most know, people nowadays, they'll throw the towel in quick first little hint of, oh, mm-hmm. no, I ain't going to do that first obstacle, and they hit the road. Exactly. And nothing ever gets built. Kids get left out and split families and stuff like that. And it just you never know. <laughs> but she supported me 100% with the turkey call business. You know, that's money. That's another big thing, having a woman that understands an outdoorsman that's yeah. patient and <laughs> lets you go do your thing. And the good news is, I mean, we go together. We enjoy a lot of those outdoor things mm-hmm. together, so it helps. Yeah. But it is good knowing that when I want to go with one of my friends, yeah. she ain't arguing about it. She yep. just supports it. Got to yep. have fun, you know. And that's, that's a big deal to me. Um, but as far as the turkey business and stuff like that, Hey, let me market for you. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. I can't create a dang logo worth of crap. I yeah. mean, uh, y'all stick people out there trying to make it look like somebody's shooting a gun. That's I heard right. that. That's cool. And uh, I say, if you want to, we're going on about 52 minutes here. Do you want to plug your calls? Tell them how if you want to buy one, look them up or anything like that? Um, right now, I just uh, applied for business license today, actually. Okay. Um, but you can message me on Facebook, Instagram. Um, my last name is spelled kind of weird, F-A-R-R-I-L-L. No relation to Will Ferrell, right? No, none whatsoever. <laughs> that question has been asked a bunch. It'd be pretty cool, though. Well, it'd be pretty cool if he'd send me some money or buy me some land. Or like Matthew McConaughey, it'd be really cool if you did. <laughs> yeah, it would. But, um, uh, no, but they can contact me and I can make them a mouth call, period. I haven't started in the slating boxes. I'm mm-hmm. actually working on getting the equipment for that. Lays ain't ex- ain't cheap no my goodness and i don't want to sit there and buy the cheapest thing they got no because that's what you'll get a cheap product in the end exactly i I want quality and i want to be able to get quality buy once cry once yes now i can make slates but i know what Mm. it's going to take to get it it'll all come in time yeah exactly don't get overwhelmed even without this podcast thing just stick with it stick to it it will come into fruition. Right now, I'm not selling anything that I don't know what it's going to do ahead of time. Yeah, that's, yeah. With my mouth calls, I know exactly what they're going to do ahead of time. I know that most of the time they're going to be yeah. pretty user-friendly depending on what you order. Yeah. I can just about make it to whatever they want. I, I'm getting that confident. And the good thing about it is, is that I'm not going to screw anybody out of it. If you yeah. pay me for a call, that's the difference between people that pay for calls versus people that I've given calls. Yeah. If you pay for a call, you're going to get exactly... Yeah what I know is going to work. Mm-hmm. I'm not sending nothing out there. A lot of the yeah. calls I've given away has been stuff that I didn't like something about it. Mm-hmm. You know, not that it didn't sound good. Some of them just got a latex yeah. flaw. Yeah. And I just give them to you because I know they're still going to sound as good. As long as it works, it works. But when I sell them to people, the people that buy them, that's going to. Yeah. Well, for short, I mean, it's just like laying that brick one brick at a time and eventually you'll build a skyscraper, man. I'm in no rush. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I don't have to have it. Just right maintain, now. just like a tortoise. <laughs> just maintain that speed, and you'll get there eventually. So hopefully one day we can all get a big hunting group together and go out west and do that. That'd be great. Or we can all just get rich and buy our own land. That too. <laughs> in in each like, state. And you know? like section it off. This is such and such property now. We'll take a northwest part of Kansas. We'll kill Big Deer and Rio. Yeah, and kidding, man. That's what I've been talking to Rayburg, and he's wanting. I think he said 2023. Him and uh, Tyler have been looking at this elk place there it's about i think you said 52 for the premium package which ain't bad for ain't uh, bad. elk cut and that's like a, i think it's full guy that he said but they had three different packages right so kind of shoot for that been going to the gym so hopefully in three years we'll be good to go by then and i'll be able to shoot a little bit further out on my stick bow too I'll be honest with you get ready for you walking 
Yeah. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. One, I've gotten back in the gym. Just get healthy. But main thing, I want to be able to go out west. That is my yeah. main goal the whole time I'm in there. I'm thinking I got to go to the elk, run over there, he's bugling before he runs off. That's what drives me to keep pushing through the workout. That's why I want to try elk hunting. Yeah. And the response. Yes. I mean, that seems me, like a turkey hunt for big game. That's what everybody's like. I think if I can turkey call, I think I can. Because I've watched the hell out of some elk hunting YouTube, especially the guy Stalker Bows. Have you watched his stuff? No, I haven't, but I've Dude, seen Stalker in general. The cinema photography is freaking awesome. I mean, it's better than a meat eater, to be honest, for a traditional stalk, archery. I'm going to stalk a grizzly bear with a bow. That too. No, I want. I do want to kill a black bear. I like to go up north Georgia and do that around LJ. My cousins do that, and he's for one. He said he won't shoot another bear just because it's such a pain in the ass having to log it in for the DNR, showing where you killed it, right. and all that, and let alone having to skin that sucker. He said that was a task in itself. Right. But it would be nice to have that run. <laughs> it would. Yeah. But. But man, I appreciate you coming on, and we'll definitely do it again. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, I'll hit you up later on. We'll do something this next deer season or something. You need to come with me to Piedmont, and I'm gonna do. I've heard a lot of good things about that. You need to come. <laughs> I can show you some deer, and you'd be like, yes. And uh, I'm going on to go for because it's open up for general archery hunt. Right. You can go up there and camp on a coney. It's primitive, but that's go man. We're eating like kings and sleeping good. But it's, you can go during archer season. They have a muzzleloader hunt, which is the usually the first or second second last weekend in October to the first weekend in November, which is their last rifle hunt. So you're only allowed to hunt three times with like a firearm. But right. archery hunting, they don't care. Yeah. So we need to go there. Do you both hunt? Yeah, I got to. I got to. Okay. Uh, well, that's this archer season. I'm going to try and get a group of guys, and we can go up there and go camping. The bucks up there, it can either be a doe, or it's probably going to be one of the best bucks of your life. I'd be fine with that. That ain't hard to beat. No, bro. I mean, I've well, hunted down here my whole life, and uh, I ain't been in the pristine it's, spots. It's like, the, I'd say the man's Disneyland, dude. I mean, just beautiful woods. And, and Mark Stubbs and his dad and his brothers, they usually come out with some antlers. I've seen that. You know I mean? Some big deer. One, at least one of them stub boys is coming out with some horns. So, but we'll get that dialed up. And like I said, I appreciate you coming on. I yeah, enjoyed man, it, I appreciate man. it. I enjoyed it, too. <laughs>